You are listening to the Phenom NBA Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network. Powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tuesday night show, or actually it's Monday today, of the Phenom NBA show. I'm here with Aiden and Jacob again. Uh, what's up, guys? What's up? Y'all have a good weekend? Yep. Yeah, hoping to get some snow tonight for a snow day tomorrow. But uh, yeah, not don't we don't get too much snow down in uh, Cincinnati. But we yeah, just want to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, New York. I would hope, but yeah, Cincinnati. I'm looking for my first snow day of the year. Right. You guys want to get into it? Yeah. Sure, uh, yeah. Right. All right. So first up, we got um, the player of the weeks. Um, Giannis and De'Aaron Fox were just announced Player of the Weeks. They both had great weeks. De'Aaron has had uh, three 30-point games in a 26. Five five was his lowest assist total this whole week. He's been leading the Kings very well. I caught their game. Don't remember who they played. I caught the fourth quarter of it on NBA TV. And um, De'Aaron, Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, and Tyrese Halliburton all had double digits. They were playing great as a team. And, like, it's kind of just a your turn, my turn with this team. And you have shooters everywhere, and you have Rashawn as the lob threat. And De'Aaron has thrived. They've overachieved. And he's led this team to be great. Um, obviously, do you guys have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, this Kings team, I think they're pretty much, like, overperforming what people thought they were going to be. They're in a very competitive division right now. I think they're, like – and they're tied for third right now, I believe. And I think that can be contributed to De'Aaron Fox. You know, he's been on a tear these past couple of games. I believe last Thursday he absolutely torched Celtics, which is pretty hard because they have such a good defense. But, I mean, I watched some other Kings games this week. Him and Tyrese just look very good. Yeah. The Kings, I mean, they've won six of their last seven games. Uh Last night, I wish I would have caught some of that Clippers and Kings game, but I decided to go to sleep, and I shouldn't have. That that game was, I mean, from just the, the box score and all the stuff I've seen, all the highlights I've seen after the game, uh, De'Aaron Fox went off, and the the Kings kind of uh, have been, well, I don't know what to say, meeting the expectations that we've kind of put on them, and especially me, because I've always had higher expectations for the Kings, especially De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and they've kind of just – not met my uh, expectations and I kind of just like been disappointed with the Kings, but I mean, recently they've been proving me wrong, especially Darren Fox. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Darren came out and said 
recently he was the first player to challenge this, saying that the NBA should not have an all-star game. Obviously, we're in the midst of a pandemic. The numbers are terrible. And many players have come out and said that they don't believe we should have one and that they're not very excited to play in it. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the league's all-star game this year? I mean, like, at first, like, obviously, I was, like, extremely excited about the idea because last year was such a, like, a big success. But looking at it now, like, I can understand where the players are coming from. Like, like they're like, I want to be in my families for a week. Like, they thought they were going to be with their families for a week. You know, they just kind of want to relax. They don't want to travel to another side of the country for a whole week. But, like, you have to remember also, like, the NBA Players Association, Association also agree on that. So, like, guys like Chris Paul – C.J. McCollum, Kyrie, they're all, they all were in favor of this. Yeah, I, I get exactly where the players are coming from. Uh, I mean, they've been told all season long that they, they can't have many interactions. They can't interact with people after the game. They have to have masks on. They have to take all kinds of COVID precautions and uh, just safety rules and everything. And then now they're, t- they're getting told they're going to play an all-star game with all different guys from different teams. And, I mean, maybe not um, a crowd because usually at – all-star game they're celebrities and I mean who knows would show up at the all-star game but uh I mean I just don't think it's necessarily fair to the players to kind of put all this on them at once after telling them they couldn't do anything I mean for sure I agree with both of you um some of the other things that have happened is two nights ago Kevin Durant comes into the Brooklyn game he has to come off the bench uh, late in the first quarter because he just gets cleared for the he gets he just gets cleared to play because of COVID. Um, he has to come back out mid third quarter and then he cannot play the next two games because of COVID. And the league is quoted as saying they're being overly precautionary. That same night, you have LeBron James talk to the media. He says he has zero energy and zero excite, excitement about flying to Atlanta in a pandemic for an exhibition game. Yeah, yeah I, on that night, you have Charles Barkley come out and say he does not love what the NBA is doing right now. That is three people who are supposed to be big backers of the NBA, and they ha- did not have good things to say about him in the same night. Adam Silver was obviously doing damage control that night, trying to clean things up, trying to make the Players Association happy. But I think those series of events – definitely did not change the player's point of view on this game. And I'm not a fan. Like, uh, I don't love, um, I mean, the, the TNT guys, mainly Shaq and Charles Barkley um, commenting on some of these things because, I mean, obviously they've never had to do this. And the NBA is way different, especially this year and the with the bubble. But, I mean, first you had De'Aaron Fox come out and kind of complain about this when it got some uh, headlines and fans – kind of started getting a point of view from a guy like De'Aaron Fox. But then, I mean, once LeBron says it, it's huge news. And, uh, I mean, he's a big influencer uh, besides just an athlete. So I think LeBron saying that he is just not motivated at all to play, doesn't really care, and has zero energy to bring to the All-Star game, lets down fans and brings to their attention that maybe this isn't the best idea. And if the players really don't want this to happen, I mean – What's the what's the point of having an all-star game that no one wants to play? Yeah, like like Aiden, like you said, there are some like really big backers like of not playing the all-star game. Like Giannis even says those 
Like LeBron's, you know, whatever LeBron says, will probably go. He's like our, our leader, so he he's doubt that this should be an All Star game. I believe Kawhi said something about it also, but you know that stretch for Adam Silver was extremely rough. Yeah, and I I mean, it, it's just not a great look for the NBA, I, I, especially after that Kevin Durant night. I was watching that Nets game, and it was like he's out, he's in, and then he's back out. They, I I saw the notification saying he's not playing. And I decided to watch the game and then I saw him on the court and I was confused and I was like, Oh, I guess he got cleared to play. And then, I mean, just sucked to see he got taken out and the NBA couldn't really figure out what they were doing. And it just, it looks like it may just to me, it seems like there could be some confusion going on and a lack of like awareness or communication between um, some NBA officials and uh, some guys in higher positions. But I mean, at one half of me thinks that this all-star break could be a potential reset for the NBA and get their things together. But um, we might have to see like a type of all-star weekend like that, but without the games and events and kind of just like a actual break from the NBA for about a week to uh, just get everyone back on the same page. Cause right now it seems to be a little uh, chaotic and confusing and everyone's kind of, some people aren't really, too happy with the NBA right now like Kevin Durant I think he tweeted free me after he got uh taken out again yeah and I mean that's the other thing like you said whatever LeBron says once LeBron says something you listen and a lot he convinced a lot of people by just coming out and saying that interesting just because like there's like no competitors at the time of the all-star game like obviously we know the NFL Super Bowl just happened so NFL is out of the conversation it's too early for baseball to start and the NHL really hasn't been making that much noise this season as the teams have been very limited. So, you know, this is a huge business opportunity for the NBA. You know, it's going to be hard for them to not take it. Yeah, and the NBA has lost so much money already that this is just, yeah, I, I mean, they would hate to see the this go because this is just another one of those things that can bring them some of their lost revenue back. And, I mean, it's got to suck for them to see all these players who they do all this for just kind of shut it down especially LeBron, who has, I mean, he has so much more influence than an athlete. He's, I mean, he, he has almost as much influence as like any other um, normal celebrity. He's, he's huge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they need this all-star game. I mean, the players may not want to play it, but it's, like you said, going to draw a lot of attention and they make a lot of money. They make more money than any other sports league as players, and they need this big draw for them to keep making that money. Yes, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just a big letdown for the NBA, and uh, it, yeah, it, like we said, it would just suck to see it go. Obviously, as fans, we would um, hate. I think I would hate for them to have it and see the players uh, not want to play uh, more than just canceling it, but. I mean, I just I would love to see a, a another just All Star game, especially last year the Kobe themed game, um, just something new that was actually really fun to watch, and I think that kept things interesting. But I guess yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we should move on to the Derrick Rose trade that happened yesterday. Aiden, you're a Pistons fan. What's your your thoughts? Yeah. Um. So this trade really um bang son the smith jr we know he was a 15 point a game scorer in dallas he was the seventh overall pick and i believe 2017 could be wrong on that but um 
he was hyped up. He was great when he came into the league offensively. He looked like he was developing defensively. He gets moved as a centerpiece for Zingas trade to New York, and he's benched by um, Bisdale. Dibs comes in. He doesn't get much more opportunity. So for the Knicks, he was very expendable. They moved him a second-round pick, and they got a starter-level player who can give you 18, provide a spark when your team is struggling, and it's going to help their playoff push. On the Pistons side of things, DSJ can be that great player. I would have preferred to get quickly, as he seems like more of a sure thing. But that pick is going to be a solid pick this year. It's Charlotte's pick. Probably going to land around 40, so we can – you have a chance to get a very good player at that selection. Um, DSJ can get back to where he was, and it only adds to our plethora of young players. I think this is a sign to come for Blake. Um, he's 32. He doesn't, or he he gets a lot of minutes because Dwayne Casey always strives to win. In doing that, it takes away from the young players. So I'm hoping Troy Weaver finds a way to get Blake out so that we can fully embrace the rebuild and just have a couple vets. We have DeLon Wright, we have Mason Plumley, and just let the young players play. Yeah, I think this was a interesting trade. Obviously, the big thing was uh, Derrick Rose getting out. But, I mean, yeah I, th- yeah, I think it's a good thing that the Pistons actually got a guard back this time and not just another big man. And, I, yeah, I like your take on getting Emmanuel quickly instead since kind of Dennis Smith Jr., We've seen him for the last few years, and he kind of just been not great, very like not efficient in some years. And Emmanuel quickly, as a rookie, is just more interesting, and he draws more attention. And definitely a player that I'd rather have on my team than Dennis Smith Jr. I doubt that the Knicks will trade quickly for D Rose, especially since Rose is on. I think I believe he's on an expiring contract, and quickly is just so young and in the rookie of the year race. But, you know, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Dennis Smith Jr. He recently requested to go to the Knicks G League team. He's going to the Pistons. Not a big difference, in my opinion. But, um, you know, this he needs a place where he can just, like, play ball, have fun, kind of do what he wants. And for D. Rose, you know, Happy's on a playoff team. But, like, you know, both of these guys need it. And, obviously, that second-round pick may or may not be someone. We don't know how the draft's going to go this year. But, I mean, it's a weird trade, but I like it for, for both sides. And, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but was Emmanuel quickly a second-round pick? No, he was, like, a late first, like, around, tw- I think, 25. Yeah, but, I mean, like you said, Emmanuel quickly is up there. I mean, he's definitely higher than Obi Toppin is right now in the rookie race. So, the Knicks the Knicks did pretty well with drafting him, uh, finding, like, a guy in the later uh, picks since they had uh, an early pick with – and they picked Toppin, who so far, I mean, he has had some injuries, but – um, yeah, I think the Knicks giving away that pick, did they really need it? Uh, I don't know. I, who knows? We'll find out when it actually is used, but, uh, yeah, I think the Knicks, this is a great move for the Knicks and they made the right decision by not giving up Emmanuel quickly. Like we've said three times, probably now he's so he's really young and, um, he's proving to be way better than anyone thought he was going to be, um, just by the expectations. Yeah, uh, there too. They have Derrick Rose, Alfred Payton, Emmanuel Quickly, Austin Rivers, and RJ Barrett. I mean, they're all deserving of minutes, but we'll see who gets the starting. Yeah, and Alec Burks too. They got a bunch of yeah, they got a bunch of interesting. Uh, yeah, Tom Thibodeau's got some uh, some choices to make, and 
I mean, Thibodeau has a history with Derrick Rose, so hopefully we can see this work out. And like you said, the Knicks are a playoff team right now, but come playoff time, I don't know. Yeah. Be shocked to see them at the eighth seed, but right now, I mean, I wouldn't be as surprised as I normally would. Yeah, uh, speaking of like the Knicks possibly trading someone, and that just trade just happened, let's talk about potential tra- trade deadline moves. I've seen a lot of, you know, people uh, like kind of like rumor on who's going to get traded. Like, I don't think there's going to be a big move this uh, trade deadline, but who are some guys you could see possibly getting traded or even bought out? Definitely Lonzo. I have to throw him in there. Um, JaVel McGee, Thaddeus Young. Um, we, people have talked about Andre Drummond. He's on expiring. Um, anybody else you can think of? Yeah, I, I was wanting to talk about the uh, Pelicans, and one of the main things I wanted to mention was, like you just said, Lonzo. I think Lonzo this year has kind of seen, as the Pelicans added Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo hasn't had a great start to the season, and I think the Pelicans could get something great for him. As right, they, I think they should trade him right now as quick as they can before the deadline because they, need, they don't want his value to go down any lower than it's gone down so far. And the Pelicans could really get some help and – I think Brandon Ingram's doing great right now. Zion, they're quietly doing great. The Pelicans have been on a hot streak for the last week, I would say. They beat my Pacers, and, I mean, the Pacers just could not stop Brandon Ingram or Zion from scoring, and um, from they couldn't stop Zion from breaking the rim either. But I, I think Lonzo's a great – I think he he's my guy to if I were to predict a trade. I don't think there's going to be another – Big trade. One of mine was uh, Miles Turner from the Pacers that I thought could be traded, but from what I've seen so far, I think this is the best they've done this uh, this season. This is the best they've done using Sabonis and Turner efficiently. So I don't think we'll see that trade happening this year. Yeah, uh, the Pelicans are one of the teams I think will be big players this deadline. On other teams I have are the Magic, the Kings, and Chicago. You know, they all have expendable vets. You know, I've seen some Vucevic rumors. I've seen Harrison Barnes rumors. Um, and then, like you said, Thad Young, I've seen I've seen Garrett Temple. Uh, and obviously, J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, that's been a debate uh, for a while. Uh, contenders are going to want to trade for these veteran-type guys. Just come off the bench and play, you know, minutes, like do all the little stuff. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention with the Pelicans is if they're looking to contend, a potential Bradley Beal deal could be on the table. I mean, Lonzo looks as expendable right now. You package Lonzo, Eric Bledsoe, or Steven Adams, take your pick. Um, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, J.J. Redick, that gets the money about even and the value. And then a first or two, and that could get the deal done. I mean, the Wizards get a haul back. They get a couple young players who could be super nice and some picks. The Pelicans have their own picks. They have Lakers picks. And now Bucks picks. So they have a lot to work with there. And if they want to make a win now move, they could do it. Yeah, uh, I think that's an interesting deal you discussed. But in my opinion, I don't see that trade happening because I think Bradley Beal, I mean, I want to, I, I believe that he is loyal to Washington. I, I We've heard him say over and over again that he is. But, I mean, it's hard to think that he doesn't have a, a, just a little thought of leaving because, mm-hmm. I mean, he does so much for the team. And they just, after all of his 50-point games, they just continue to lose. But – uh, I think, yeah, I think that's an interesting deal that has the, I mean, potential to kind of 
rebuild like the old thunder with Westbrook and Adams, maybe on the wizards, which would be kind of interesting to see. I don't think, I don't know if it would be great for the wizards, but I think the Pelicans have so many things they could do with Lonzo right now. And I think a lot of them are uh, winning winning situations for them. So I think they need to get Lonzo out of there ASAP. Yeah. I think Lonzo needs to get out of there too. Like he just needs a refresh where he kind of a Marco Fultz situation where there's not a lot of pressure, but he can do what he does and show what he has. Yeah. And he's more attention back from Lamelo and back onto him. No, um, something I thought about the other day, uh, I thought it was interesting. It's like, like you said, Lonzo to the Bulls makes a lot of sense, but I think we can possibly see Alonzo for a Lowry marketing swap. I don't think the Bulls are, want, are interested in bringing Lowry back. He's having a good year. Defensively, obviously, he's awful, but um, maybe put, I mean, obviously Zion, maybe they run some sort of small ball lineup with Zion, Ingram, and Markkinen. I think it's an interesting idea. The Bulls obviously get back, like, get a deep young point guard depth. Uh, and then they, you know, have a chance to play Patrick Williams more power forward. Yeah, actually, I do like that because Patrick Williams is a – he's one of the guys that's – he was a shocking pick for the, the Bulls that high in the top five. And he's been quietly getting good numbers and being great for the Bulls and setting some rookie records for the Bulls franchise. And, yeah, I think that – I think that could be a – good swap for the Bulls because I mean the, from the Bulls games I've watched it's just I cannot stand watching Larry Markinen on defense like you said he's just he's just an easy bucket and for the games that he does do well I don't know if his offense I mean I I actually don't think his offense balances out his defense at all and I mean good thing he's been doing uh better this season because I mean we saw he kind of took a dip the last few seasons he wasn't doing as great but uh maybe the Bulls can get something out of his uh, better playing this year. Yeah. And Laurie's such a weird player because you want him to work. You want him to be great. But, I mean, running that small ball lineup, he's shown he cannot play center. And obviously Zion can, and that's the only reason that may work. And I could see him coming off the bench as, like, a shooter. But even then, he's not a great shooter for a center. He's just been molded into that role. I believe he's only shooting like 30% from deep. You, you guys can check that me on that, but he's not the best shooter for a big guy, yet he's still being pushed into that role. And he can't play defense. And, I mean, for the Chicago, that's a great trade. You get your point guard. You solve a lot of problems with that. I think a Patrick Williams-Wendell backcourt is the future. Um, they're both great, versatile defenders who can guard multiple positions, and it can be a very versatile team with Lamel or with Lonzo on it. But I don't know. I don't love it for New Orleans. Yeah, with Lonzo too, they get some of that defense back that they lost with Chris Dunn. And uh, Chris Dunn, I mean, he's not the greatest offensive player, but he was leading the NBA kind of back and forth for steals per game, and. Lonzo, Lonzo brings the defense and playmaking too. So uh, if Kobe White and him in the front court, uh, be, I would love to see that. That would be a great duo because Kobe White's a volume scorer. He's great to watch. And then Zach Levine, um, I don't know if he's still averaging those shooting numbers, but yeah. Zach Levine's he's been like, great. He's to see. like right under like 90 or 90, something. Yeah, oh. solid like 88.9 or something. Yeah. So, I mean, Zach Levine doing great this year. Uh, the Bulls have – some things to think about for their future. 
Yeah. Um, I can't help but bring up my Celtics because uh, Kevin O'Connor earlier today said that the Celtics are reportedly been talking to a lot of teams and are in a market for a shooting forward or a big man. Uh, like they had that huge trade exception. I, like I said earlier, I personally love Harrison Barnes as he's on a longer deal and he's having a great season. I don't know if the Kings trade him because right now he's playing, he's having a great season. But um, I believe that they should just probably use, split the trade exception and trade for just a bunch of uh, bench depth. Terrence Ross is making 13 mil. Uh, Pat, I don't know what other like big men, like backup big men they're making. I know Patty Mills would be a nice upgrade over Jeff Teague because he's playing terrible right now. But you no, know, they have a lot of options. Yeah, Celtics. Uh, I think their record isn't. It's about even, right? It's about five hundred right now. Yeah, they're about. Uh, I think they're twelve and ten. They're fourth in the East. Yeah, and the Pacers are twelve and twelve. So, um, I kind of see like as the Celtics. I mean, you're expecting them to be at least a top three seed, maybe second. Um, obviously you got the Nets now who changed things up, but yeah, the Celtics have kind of been struggling because, I mean, you got Tatum and Brown who are the, I mean, I mean, you argue. Them, really. like Kemba's been not been good. He's been only yeah. good eight games. Uh, Smart, had, had, we, he had that Achilles scare, but yeah. only it was, it was just a cap strain. Uh, Tatum was out with COVID. Right now, Jalen Brown's out with some quad thing. Kemba missed the first two months of the season. And then, like, a bunch of, like, their bench guys have been, like, missing, like, games. Like, Pritchard is out. Uh, Romeo Langford's been out the whole season. But, you know, this team fully healthy. I think they can be competitors. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I like that Celtics team. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Brown, and I like Tatum, too. And, I mean, I hope they can get to play together. And, I mean, the game I watched against them with the Lakers, it just kind of, especially with Kemba Walker, they think they need to get their um, rotations and minutes and everything figured out. But I, uh, I like the idea of the Celtics – um in the trade market how you were saying yeah i mean even the buyout market too i can see like wayne ellington wanting to go there for my pistons um do you have anything to say on aaron nesmith oh i mean like i mean i don't know if he should be playing more just because like uh he's not he's not a good defender whatsoever uh he's supposed to be like he's supposed to be the best shooter in the draft he's been a pretty inconsistent shooter pritchard's obviously been the much better shooter player player rookie this season, but um, he hasn't earned those minutes yet. Even he hasn't earned them over guys like Semi Ojale or Javante Green. But, you know, I like him. I hope he can develop. Uh, I just keep on reminding myself that he was injured for the majority of the college season last year. Maybe he's still recovering. Yeah, Javante has been great for him, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think just one more, like, guard forward there that can just come in, play good minutes, fill in for the injured guys would be great if they can get that at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next topic, I know we wanted to briefly mention the uh, Houston Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, with the Houston Rockets, um, just more aftermath of the big deal a uh, while back in the season. And I mean, the Rockets are looking great. And I don't know if anyone saw, but did... Uh, Christian Wood was on the uh, uh, post game and he was talking to Shaq and he called Shaq a casual. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I have to agree with them, honestly. I, yeah, I completely agree. I, I cannot stand Shaq and Charles Barkley and some of their comments with the yeah. new NBA. Yeah, today like, Kevin Garnett kind of called out like uh, Chuck and Shaq. He's like, 
oh yeah, you guys don't know, like tw- if the guys that played 20 years ago would be getting killed today, like they'd be getting crossed up and stuff, which I, I kind of agree with. Yeah, I think yeah. it's not fair for them to speak like they know everything about it and um, like they play in the 2010s and 20s. Right. And I mean, Christian Wood is obviously proving Shaq wrong, whether or not Shaq thinks he is. Um, but I mean, this team, I, w- I had the game on before this. They're playing Charlotte. They were playing Charlotte. Um, I'm not sure who won now. But Mello was torturing them. I, I just know Mello that. I think he had like 24 or 10. Yeah, he, w- he ended up in foul trouble. But the biggest thing with this team is health. Like, you have Christian Wood, who's had injury problems. John Wall seems to always have injury yeah, problems. Yeah, he's day-to-day all the time. Right. Victor Oladipo is the same way. So, I don't know if they've played a game where all three of them play. But when they do, there are three all-star level players who can get you a top five seed and even this West. Like, I believe they are a playoff team, and I believe they are a top five team in the West. But – when when your players can get healthy, then you're not going to make it, especially this year. So that's the biggest thing about this. They were a, they were number one in defensive ranking once James Harden was moved. And John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood are a large part of that. But they also have this plethora of two-way wings who can shoot the ball, get inside, and play good defense. Jay Sean Tate's been a great surprise this year. Mm-hmm. David Nwaba's having a resurgence. Ben McLemore, Daniel House, they're great shooters off the bench. Like, they have such a dynamic team and a great coach. But health just ruins it. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, with Victor Oladipo on the Pacers, also I think another point to mention is the inconsistency. I don't, I don't think it will uh, necessarily carry over as much with Houston because I don't think he'll um, – well, actually maybe it will because uh, at Indiana recently he was kind of like the second guy with behind Sabonis – actually the third guy behind Sabonis and Brogdon on the offense. And uh, I think he could be sharing the ball more with John Wall, Christian Wood, and um, himself on the Rockets. And, um, I mean, I just think efficiency could be a problem. But Christian Wood has uh, proved everyone Shaq wrong, and he's been – amazing for the Houston Rockets as the defensive anchor. Yeah, this season's also very interesting for Old Depot. As you guys know, pre-agent at the end of the summer, uh, the Miami Heat rumors have been there since even before the bubble. But, um, this, you know, if the Rockets want to stay somewhat competitive, they're going to have to re-sign him, I believe, because then they have, like, no other cap space if they don't re-sign him just because of that John Wall contract. But uh, I can potentially be, see, see him being moved. He has until March 4th until he can't be moved. Then in the trade deadline to March 25th, then he could be moved. I mean, I mean, it all depends on if the Rockets want to compete or not. Yeah, I think that's – yeah, that would be weird because uh, obviously as a Pacers fan, I've been aware of these Miami Heat rumors and hoping they weren't true. And then to um, find out he's uh, gone to the Rockets uh, – do the Rockets really um, want to have the long-term plan with him to re-sign him or just let him go or maybe get something out of him before the trade deadline to ensure that they can contend and really become a playoff threat in the West? Because this year, I think the um, 
I mean, I just think a lot more teams in the West have a chance at making the playoffs than they have in the last few years. I think a lot of teams have, like the Jazz have proved that they are serious now. The Suns have become better. The Kings have become better. The Grizzlies. There's just a lot more threats in the West right now. And the Rockets could easily slip out of the playoff contention. But right now, I think they, I wouldn't say top half, top four, but I would say they're in the mix for those five, six seeds. Yeah, I mean, I, I pray that he resigns because I can see this team being like a OKC Thunder last year type of team where they're just consistently good. They have vets and they just play well together. But uh, I can also see this like a Kobe, um, Kobe, Pau Gasol, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Lakers type of situation where they're, they just – none of them play to where they should they're constantly injured and it just doesn't work out so it's definitely a risk i don't know if the rockets are willing to take it i think steven silas is a great guy to have at the helm and i think they can do great things yeah that's a good point i like steven silas has turned the uh, rockets in a different direction and he's doing a great job but uh, moving on to the nets and kind of some of their defensive struggles and just more aftermath of the the big deal earlier. Uh, obviously, we talked about earlier about Kevin Durant leaving uh, the game, mid game or early game because of getting pulled for COVID and everything. But I mean, we've kind of just we've seen with the Nets. Obviously, they got this big three. But when you think about it, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving are all the most dominant and the most impactful when they have the ball, and I mean, I can't really think of a player that they have that is um, defensively the the prime defensive piece. I mean, you could say DeAndre Jordan, but he's older and he's just not that kind of guy anymore. And I don't think he's I, – I mean, in my opinion, if they're going to win a championship and most likely against the Lakers, I do not think DeAndre Jordan's the guy that I would trust to be anchoring the paint. Yeah, this is this could be a team that's going to be looking at the bio market heavy whether it's Andre Drummond or some sort of like defensive oriented player, but I believe they signed Noah Vonley today. Uh, he had a pretty good, I think he was, had a preseason with the T-Wolves. He had a pretty good preseason with them. I don't know why they cut them. It's T-Wolves being the T-Wolves, but you know, he should provide some decent backup ceremonies. I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of DeAndre Jordan at all in this current NBA. I think he's regressed greatly. He's nowhere near oh, yeah. where he used to be. I think he'll struggle like immensely against even Marcus Saul and the Lakers. Yeah, or Montrezl Harrell. Yeah, and leading up to going to the finals, he's got to play Joel Embiid. He's got to be on Giannis. He's going to have to be on Bam. So the Nets are going to be struggling defensively. The team's game plans against Nets, they just have to outscore them. The guy outshoot them. You know, you you have games where there's been games where Harden has 31, KD is 32, Kyrie is 29. Harris has, lose. Yeah, Harris has 18, and it's impossible to win. Yeah, they, yeah, that's a, a similar to the uh, Washington Wizards where they got Bradley Beal and sometimes Westbrook who are scoring about 40 each almost, and they still cannot come up with a win because their defense is atrocious. And the Nets, it's even more surprising because you got the big three, and they, they just – even the defensive backcourt uh, or just uh, Kyrie and – Harden are average defenders at best. They're no, they can't, uh, 
they're, they're not going to make up for the lack of defense inside. Obviously, KD isn't going to necessarily help with that either. So I think the Nets are a prime team contender to, for a bias center scenario and to get one of those guys we've been talking about um, for the whole show pretty much, like Andre Drummond, which is unrealistic maybe, but um, yeah, I, I think the Nets. Andre Drummond as their fix, and I don't see any of the centers that we've listed as their Possibly fix. Possibly the I see them more as like you bring them in and they help your defense, but I think they do need that defensive anchor. And the only valuable piece that they have on their team right now is Joe Harris's contract. And they do not want to part ways with that quite obviously. And KD Kyrie do not want to part ways with DeAndre Jordan quite obviously, but that $28 million can get you a very good player who can be a very good defensive center. But I don't think Andre Drummond is your is your guy. He's not a great defender on his best day. He's average at best. He's not going to put in the effort on the end, and he's going to demand shots. Um, I think Bruce Brown is the best player on this team, the defensive player on this team, which is not not good enough. And I mean, how many centers have they signed? They have Reggie Perry that they drafted. Nicholas Claxton is hurt. Claxton's just not going to man, so it's weird. Right. They brought in Norvell Powell. They brought in Noah Vonley. It's like none of these guys are your fix. Yeah. And I was hoping they'd leave that roster spot open for a guy like JaVale McGee at the deadline, and I think they can still pick him up. But they're in a hard situation defensively because they're one of the greatest offenses of all time and one of the worst defenses of of all time. So yeah. they need to find a way to get that center. And I think the only way that it happens is Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. I've seen some Nets fans be like, oh, yeah, we need a guy that's going to be able to guard Giannis and beat Bam, Anthony Davis. Like, if there's a, there's no guy that exists like that. Like, yeah. those are like those, like, guys that – the guys that they're listing are the guys that are going to stop those other guys. But there's no way they're able to get another center that's going to be able to even slow down those other guys. No, like, you kind of Oh, you you finish. Oh, that, that was it. Oh yeah. So what I was yeah like you, there's really no guy that it's the Giannis stopper, or the Joel Embiid stopper. It's kind of just a bunch of other guys who help to collectively stop uh, Joel Embiid or just slow him down or slow Giannis down. You don't really have. Uh, I mean, the Celtics with Samuel um, Ojale. I mean, there's not there's not a Giannis. It just doesn't exist maybe besides Joel Embiid himself, but I just think the, like we've said, the Nets are in a really tough spot and uh, I do not see them winning. Um, if they do beat the Sixers or Bucks, they'll have to play at least one of them. Uh, I do not see them beating the Lakers or Clippers in the finals or even the, the Jazz. Or yeah, the, Nuggets. the Nets also like their defensive game plan, like if they're playing against a beater, Giannis, like they're probably going to be like, all right, we have to get, we think, we'll let them beat and Yas whoever they want, but we have to shut down everyone else. They don't have the team to shut down everyone else. Chris Middleton will still score them for 40 points. Yeah. Tobias Harris or Seth Curry will still score 20 plus points. I know it's weird names, but like they will. Yeah, and that's. Is Al Horford the, the guy? I they mean, can't trade for him. Hefty contract. The contract's like, way too big. Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, you said Joe Harris is might be the only the only way to get to slightly help this problem. 
Yeah. I mean, that money adds up to Al Horford's contract, and you could probably get more from the Thunder for him. Maybe a first, maybe a solid role player. You can pick up, like, George Hill if you want. Like, that could be a deal. Yeah, they got some some stuff to think about. You guys got any uh, final thoughts? Nope. Well, so, yeah, we this is it for the Tuesday show on a Monday. So we will see you sometime next week. But, uh, yeah, see you guys later.